Hey, I'm Nathan. And I'm Josh. And this is the BFA Life Podcast. Okay, so on today's podcast, we reached across multiple time zones to connect people all across the globe um, who are like-minded. Like us, these people desire to see to it that kingdom workers whose gospel impact spans across the globe are empowered. If you've ever been in vocational ministry for any amount of time, you've probably heard these names, Rift Valley Academy and Grace International School. We had a nice chat with representatives from both of these schools, Mark and Nikki from RVA and Darren and Van Den from Grace, and we're really pleased to share this conversation. It encouraged us, and I hope that does that for you as well, to see people all across the world supporting Christian workers through education. We all seek to produce well-rounded students who will go out and influence their world for Christ. Three schools, three continents, one mission. I hope you enjoy. Well, thanks everybody for being here. If you could all just kind of go around and share who you are, what your role is, and a little bit about your school, that would be great. Mark, why don't we start with you? All right. Um, I'm Mark Kinzer. I'm the superintendent at the Rift Valley Academy in Kijabi, Kenya. I'm a former student graduate uh, from 1976 of RVA. And um, currently, my wife and I are in our 31st year as uh, on staff here as well. Um, I've been superintendent for the last, um, well, this is my fourth and final year. Um, we, uh, the Rift Valley Academy is located about 50 kilometers outside of uh, Nairobi in a, in a rural setting. Uh, it's beautiful here. Uh, school was founded in 1906 and um, primarily to serve the children, the families of missionaries who were serving in Kenya at the time. A man by the name of Charles Hurlburt founded the school, um, forced, faced with the decision of, do I send my children to the UK for education while my wife and I stay here? And so God laid that vision on his heart um, of providing a quality education for MKs um, at that time serving in East Africa. That's expanded into all of Africa. And um, that basically that mission continues. We're we average about 450 students, usually around um, between 250 and 300 of those are boarders and the rest are day students. And they kind of come from all over the continent. So we like everybody else, I think, are in the midst of the COVID mess. And um, we have been online since the uh, middle of March and desperately praying and hoping that we will have students on campus with us by mid-January. Mark, were you hired for your podcast voice? <laughs> I also read on your website that Teddy Roosevelt laid the first stone at your original campus. As a matter of fact, that is true. I am sitting in the building um, that he laid the cornerstone for. So oh, the building, amazing. Yeah, this is now our, used to be the entire school, um, uh, but now it primarily serves as our admin block. Um, but the building's, yeah, over 100 years old now. Wow. Our our claim to fame is that our, our school used to be an underwear factory. So yeah. you, I think, have one. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. We're just more but we'll, we'll take your, yeah, we'll take your history. But great. And Nicole, you you work at RVA as well. Tell us a little bit about uh, about you, what you do. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, my husband and I came here uh, 2013. And well, actually, we came for a bit. We left for a couple of years to serve in Uganda and CAR. And now we're back, which is awesome. We are dorm parents for high school boys. And then he teaches uh, Bible classes. And I work also on communications. And then we have uh, also some local ministries that we're involved with that do um, like a, a school lunch program and computer education in our Kenyan schools. So, yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, about seven years. You get you get a picture of the whole gamut. Yeah. Of everything. Yeah. yeah. Never boarding side and the academic side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that I that I wish for our our boarding program, and any of them listening are gonna probably come over and and slap me. But um, <laughs> I they pour one hundred percent into the dorm, and that is both a blessing and a curse of, of just kind of being both very invested in their dorm, but also very isolated. I think from sometimes the other goings on. Of, of campus. That's really cool that you can bridge both sides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have Darren and Van Den. Van Den, am I saying that right? <laughs> yes, Van Den. Yeah. Van Den. Um, from Grace International, we're, we're excited to have you guys here. Um, we are bridging how many hours? Is it is it six or eight? It was going to be 13 when somebody in the States. But um, with us from Thailand, tell us about what you're doing, how you got there, and just about Grace in general. Yeah, your scheduling of this was pretty amazing, coordinating all of the different timelines. and what... <laughs> Yeah, so my name is Van Dan Crouch. I'm the communication director at Grace. Um, my family and I came here December 2018. And even within that short period of time, I've jumped probably three or four positions already. Um, last year, the superintendent asked me to be the chief communication officer interim, and I accepted that. Um, opportunity and uh, this year was interviewed and formally accepted. Um, yeah, so I'm happy to be here, uh, learning a lot about Grace and the history of Grace. Pretty amazing, um, from what I can tell. I'm Darren can add to this is that uh, similar to what Mark just shared, there was a need for some way to keep families on the field longer and in a healthy way. And um, the original founders and their family established small schools, house schools. That eventually got more people involved, more people interested in this small unit of people began to grow. And then there was a recognition of, hey, we need a more formal setting. And so Grace International School was born about 20 years ago. Um, Gene Foltz, the Foltz family, is our key people in this uh, venture, but also many other founding organizations that have really uh, helped to launch and kick off this. So we are at this new campus that's been um, open for about two years now. One year. One year. Yeah. Just Sorry. One year. I'm, I'm a little jealous guys. Your, your campus is, it is breathtaking. Unreal. It looks beautiful. We, uh, we, it was a construction site for literally the first year and now it's starting to feel like a, like a proper school. Now we have grass and trees and things, but at first there was definitely areas we couldn't go. We had to keep the kids out of, it was a little tricky at yeah. first, but we had a need to, to get in here because we had been bouncing around a little bit, uh, trying to find a permanent home and, stalling for time while we built our permanent home. And uh, so we're happy to finally be here. Yeah. So yesterday I was at the uh, U10 soccer practice and uh, I was just remembering that last year, every single team we had had to travel elsewhere to play and to practice. So, cause there was nothing available on campus and that was such a taxing, challenging time for the community. And then this year, most of our events, are on campus. Like yesterday, there was literally probably 10 teams on our 
field on our court uh, doing things. And it's just really an amazing sight to see, you know, and so a lot of sports are going on. But we also know a lot of community being built and ministry happening. So what a blessing to have this location and this uh, venue we can offer to the community. And uh, I see Darren sitting there right next to Van Den. Darren, tell us a little bit about yourself. I've been in Thailand about 15 years now. So I, I came as a, a young single guy and then I ended up meeting my wife, another American, came all the way over here to meet an American. And uh, she was working at Grace actually at the time. And uh, we ended up dating and, and getting married and, and uh, staying here. And so now we've been here together. We have two kids that were born here. And one of my, my oldest is now uh, here at Grace in second grade. Uh, so we've just uh, really enjoyed being able to start about four years ago, I came on to Grace uh, full time. So it's been fun to kind of, uh, mm-hmm. after kind of being Grace adjacent for many years to get to now be a part of this community. And initially I was brought on to help raise the, the final funds to, to finish building this campus. And now mm-hmm. I'm getting to venture into doing things like the podcast and other community building and, and recruiting type uh, media. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's cool. Chiang Mai seems to be the city of love because I also met my wife here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> we always, I don't, I don't know if we can include this in the actual cut, but as far as, especially with our boarding program where we have, let's say a disproportionate number of young single post-college girls coming in to do RA program things because we have a hard time recruiting the guy side. And so like coming oh, across- in, Ch- in Chiang Mai, it's literally <laughs> about six or seven to one. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's a dynamic that we used to have here at RVA, but um, I was going back through some of our old yearbooks and remembering how many single females and how few single males we had. Um, how do you fix that? <laughs> that well, we're, we're predominantly family heavy now. So it's, okay. it's been an interesting shift, um, mostly families on campus. Um, so yeah, it's it's it just struck me the other day as I was looking through an old yearbook. Yeah, no, that that actually lines up mm-hmm. with because we we have some people looking through staff longevity. That's something that uh, Chrissy Schleep, who I think some of you may have met at some point, um, are looking through staff longevity and who stays the most. And that's exactly right. Is the the families with kind of younger to starting school age children are the ones that either because of life stage or because of family commitments or whatever have stuck around the longest. Um, and I would say that's, that's true even just for, mm. for us. Mm. Um, yeah, I can, well, I can introduce myself, I guess. I, uh, it's weird talking about BFA on, when I'm so normally talking about somebody, you know, somebody else. Uh, so I'm Nathan Peck. I serve as the communications director for Black Forest Academy. I am an alum from class of 2007 and my wife and I are actually both of that class Definitely not high school sweethearts. We, we reconnected 10 years later. Uh, I would say Condren is, is maybe the, the city of love, too, because I, I met my wife here. Um, so maybe uh, missions is the common denominator. Missions, there you go. There we go. Yeah. That solves all of our recruitment, <laughs> uh, our recruitment needs. Um, BFA is, as a school started very much kind of like you guys said, as a, as a one-room schoolhouse in 1956 after the Jantz family came over and was doing music and evangelism ministry. Uh, they moved over in 1955. And it kind of grew over over time as the need grew, rather than somebody said, hey, let's build a giant school for hundreds of people in Germany. It kind of grew organically. And I think that's really where you see God's work in expanding the need rather than somebody's idea. This was 
far well above and beyond what the Jans family wanted. I think we've been doing boarding for about 50 years now. It started with mission-specific boarding, and then now we have six dorms that are cross-missional, spread out over Africa, Middle East, uh, a few a few Asian countries, but primarily kind of closer to closer to home. So. Hmm. And my name is Josh Crooks. Um, I'm also an alumnus of BFA. Graduated in 2009. Um, I did not meet my wife on the mission field. I met her in the States. Um, you got to have those outliers, right? <laughs> and uh, just have always bled blue and always saw myself coming back here to this school. Um, I lived in the dorm when I was here, and it was a really incredible growth experience for me. Um and just shaped me uh, in a lot of ways. And so um, always dreamt about coming back and um, and also had a passion for video and media. So mm-hmm. when the opportunity came to come and basically toot the BFA horn um, through photos and video, um, I was all over it. And so now I'm the one of the communications designers here um, and I specialize in video, but have my hand in a couple of other little things, uh, design and photography wise, but, um, just love telling this place's story and, um, yeah. And getting the word out about how the Lord is working through, um, through what we offer to families and how they can thrive on the field. Um, I think that's kind of all on all of our hearts here on the podcast, but, um, yeah, it's just really near and dear to my heart. And so we've been here since 2016 and don't plan on leaving anytime soon, but you know, the Lord has his ways. And so, um, yeah, really happy to be here. So glad to meet you guys. You know, we've been just kind of from a distance looking and learning and seeing what you guys are up to. And, um, it's so great to just get in one virtual room and, and talk. So yeah, yeah, this is exciting for me. What I, what I love about all of this, and I was I was processing it with my boss the other day, is that we are very similar schools and that none of our staff are paid across all of these different schools, or for the most part are not. We are all established primarily to serve and enable Christian workers and missionaries around the world and do it at a cost that is effective to their budget and their bottom line. And that's that's really the the value proposition that we offer to be to be able to provide quality international professional grade education to families that would maybe not have access to it otherwise. And even as we talk about all of our schools working together, the beautiful part of it is that we're doing the exact same thing and we might have some families that kind of overlap as far as need, but we in different regions very clearly serve and operate as kind of these watering holes of family ministry who they can go to anywhere in the world and be guaranteed to be able to access international Christian education with between between the six of us something that is accredited something that is quality something that is caring for them as a family and I just I think it's a beautiful symbiosis of God using all of our schools to cover pretty much any any mission field I mean between Europe Asia and Africa that that covers quite a bit and we actually have some kids from South America this year hmm. um, you know we're Unless there's some missionaries in Antarctica that I don't know about, I think <laughs> I think we're kind of good. Like I, I'm just, it's a beautiful picture of God kind of creating. I don't want to say a safety net, but a uh, something that really holds holds families up no matter where they're going. And I just I love that we don't 
we don't have to compete, but that we can say, hey, we not might not be a good fit for your family. Come here. These people are great. We know them. They're a credit, you know, all, all this kind of thing. And I just, I love that, that vision of, of supporting each other. And yeah. Hmm. Well I'm, said, I'm grateful sir. that we don't need to try and steal, steal students from each other, that we can just say, Hey, this is a great fit for your family. I know for instance, Grace doesn't have boarding. Um, RVA is very focused on Africa. Do you have students that are outside of, of the continent? Uh, we are just, uh, we've only got a, a couple and we've really are, have tried to focus predominantly on Africa because we know yeah. there are other schools and other areas who can serve um, uh, the needs out of the Middle East or uh, Southern Europe. Um, Africa Inland Mission, who owns the Rift Valley Academy, has a um, now a new diaspora region. Um, so they are looking uh, to, they're much more involved now in places like Southern Europe. And so for AIM families, that, that does provide them an option. If their kids still want to come to RVA, they can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we tend to be very, we've got one kid who comes from the U.S. Um, he's an, an AI, we serve 81 different mission organizations, but AIM is our right. yeah. pr- primary reason for being, so mm-hmm. to speak. But, sure. um, mm-hmm. but yeah, we, you know, it's, it's, I think it's well said, uh, Nathan, you know, we, a lot of, the, the concern, I mean, the original concern that RVA was founded out of is the same concern that so many families have had is what about my children? Because um, I think all of us know that um, the call often is on the parents and, and the kids uh, don't often feel that same call, but they're part of the family and, and therefore go. And... Um, you know, in, in Romans and, and Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, it talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And we, we kind of take a look at it and say, look, um, yeah, these are the feet, the parents are the feet, but every, every foot's got toes. And we kind of we look at, at, at our MKs and the kids that are here as the toes on the feet of those who bring good news. And I think if, if anybody's ever stubbed a toe in the middle of the night, you know how painful it is. And uh, it can it can impact the whole body. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. kind of that's look at that analogy. that analogy and say that's really the heart the, of of what we do is is to care for the toes on the feet of those who are bringing good news. It doesn't mean the toes can't be a part of it. We we certainly believe that they can be and should be. But um, yeah. yeah, a bro- a broken pinky and is it can be a real challenge. To answer your question about um, whether Grace. Uh, have students under the continent. Um, I'm not exactly sure of the continents, but one of the main core values of Grace is that we would offer education extension services beyond kids who are just at school. And so there are homeschool kids, there are kids in other countries and other places that are getting help through Grace. And so um, mm-hmm. that's one of the core values that the board has for Grace existence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think for I think for both of you, you do provide some, some level of support for homeschooling initiatives and kind of satellite campuses and things. That is something that given our, our location in the German government and education, we can't provide. Um, I think that's a, I don't say a whole, but it's something that I, I think is a really beautiful picture of enabling families where they're at and meeting, meeting the kid where they're at and what their family structure is. And, mm-hmm. um, I wish we'd be able to provide 
kind of the the informal education side of things beyond just our our walls we're we're a little tied as far as that's concerned but yeah um with with covid not that we need to dwell on it super long and i know it's kind of on on the top of everybody's minds um how has that shaped excuse me what's covid what's that (laughs) yeah i know right (laughs) (laughs) do you not have internet over there (laughs) we don't have covid (laughs) oh yeah sure uh yeah right Um, we'll cut that part out. (laughs) Um, how, how has that impacted your student body? How has that impacted your staffing Mm. and how has that impacted even just the ways that you've seen God work through your school and preparing for the future? Mm. I mean, it's definitely impacted our staffing. Um, but at the same time, it's also a testament to God's provision that, Amen. Even yep. though the hurdles have become multiple and numerous and high, people are still wanting to come. People do still raise money. People do have a calling and that they're willing to fulfill, you know? And so we're just amazed at the new staff that have raised money during the season and also have to go through quarantine 14 days in a hotel without going outside with kids in the same room. That's just an amazing testament to And pay community. thousands of dollars. To and do pay that. out of their own pocket. It's, yeah. This is not something that Grace is able to pay or organization are picking up. This is fundraising. Yeah. And we had early on, you know, when it first, when COVID first hit, it was uh, kind of a, okay, what's going to happen? But it didn't actually hit Thailand hard. We had a fewer than, I think, just a few thousand cases. And to date, we've had only 60 deaths. So it was really neat to see that, you know, even though, Thailand wasn't uh, impacted as hard as, as, as pretty much everywhere else in the world. You know, we, the government still had the same amount of restrictions and maybe even more than a lot of places with the lockdowns. And mm-hmm. we had something like 47 regulations that we had to comply with in order to open this year. And we had to have three visits from teams of, of officers from the government to come verify that we were following all these guidelines. And so it was neat to see that the students really had a great attitude about it. And even now, you know, with masks and social distancing and eating behind plastic screens and all the things that they've had to do, they've, they've really kept a good attitude about it. And the staff too, having to teach behind masks and shields and things like that, uh, just to see the whole campus really respond to it is like to say, you know, okay, this is what we've been asked to do. We're going to go about it with a cheerful heart and, this is what we need to do to be able to continue on. And so we're going to do what we have to do. Yeah. And let me, let me add that uh, in place of the lack of staff coming on, the school reached out to the community and asked if there would be parents who would be willing to come and help out. And there were a bunch of parents who stepped up to be um, teachers, full-time teachers, you know, um, as they continue to do their ministry or put their ministry on pause. Um, I taught geometry for two months uh, while still doing my communication job. And that was really a challenge, but it was really rewarding to really connect the students again, you know? So again, it just, it just shows how God provided, but also shows the community uh, ownership of the school. They're not waiting for st- stuff to happen, but they're really willing to step up to actually fill in wherever's needed. Yeah, mm-hmm. a village a village raise, uh, raises a child for sure. I yeah. think that's uh, that embodies a lot of mission communities in, in general. Um, we actually saw an uptick of, of new staff coming in. I think that was hmm. perhaps in, in spite of COVID, not because of COVID. Um, we, we had to shift things around as far as the way that we even partner with some new staff coming in where 
Um, not that we needed to talk too many people off of the ledge as far as how am I going to support raise when I can't go into churches, but just, um, using things like zoom and saying, Hey, we're going to talk to you. You're coming here. Let's give you a little bit more handholding and white glove service of helping you cast your vision for BFA or wherever they're going because they know that they're not going to be able to leverage those kind of traditional models of, of getting here. They need to be creative and kind of get on their feet and, and figure out how they're going to make it work. But, um, Mm. Yeah, we had a big a big uptick in the new staff coming in as well as um, an increase in enrollment. But that's exactly it, where with more kids comes more responsibility and more opportunities for staff that maybe we're going to come here, people needing to swap around. I think we have a lot of that every year, but this year especially where kids are coming in, kind of knowing, okay, the, the regular things of sports and events are not going to happen. How do we make this year still good? How do we build community? How do we Mm. handle the kids who are coming in for the first year where they don't know what's expected? How do they get here with, especially with our boarding program? How do we partner with parents well of, you know, this is where your kid is coming. You usually drop them off, but you're stuck saying goodbye to them at your, at the airport. Like that's, it's hard enough telling, telling a mom say, Hey, drop your 13 year old kid off and, um, you know, get them set up and get them in their bedroom and, and everything. But Mm, now you have yeah. to tell them that they can't even come with them. Like that's, I am so grateful that we have the people that we do in place to have those kind of conversations. Cause I don't know if I could do those very well, but, uh, I think I would like to think that God even comforts people in those situations of mm-hmm. saying, this is exactly the right situation for your kid. Uh, so often I think it's the kids actually that come across the school and take our website or our social media channel, hopefully, and say, Hey, this place looks fun. Look at all the stuff's going on. Can I please go here? Hmm. Um, and, and fortunately the Marty's your analogy, the toes are saying, Hey, I'm in pain. I found this solution. This looks great. Can I please be a part of this community? And hopefully even within COVID we can, um, be a, be a village that encourages. Just like you were saying, Vanden, we also have just observed how students are so resilient and so um, encouraging to us. You know, um, it breaks my heart that we can't offer a lot of the really fun, like class trips and sports and all those things that mm-hmm. make a school year, you know, really memorable. Um, speaking from an alumnus perspective. But they're just so like, hey, we're happy to even just be here on campus. We're happy to, you know, um, to be in person, to yeah. be to be with my friends, you know. And so, yeah, that's just been really humbling for me to see our students with such good attitudes. But yeah, last, um, year's, I remember, last year's class lost so much in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm wondering um, from RVA, I know. Mark, you said that you guys are still doing remote learning. Um, give us a little update on on how that's going and how, yeah, just just give us an update. Or, sure. you know, if Nicole wants to talk to you, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Nikki, feel free to jump in at any point. Um, 
we, you know, with, with a large percentage of our student body being boarders, the critical thing for us in March was being able to get our kids home. And, um, mm. and really it was a, a small miracle, literally, that we were able to get every single kid um, where we needed to get them across the continent of Africa. Some kids wow. literally landing within hours of the borders closing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, obviously a, a challenge similar to what you guys have faced is, you know, has been staffing and, and we, we run on a three term system. So we're kind of modeled after the, the British model of, of education. Um, it lines up with, with the Kenyan schools as well, so we can participate in sports and, and whatnot. Um, so we did our first virtual graduation, like I'm sure you guys uh, did as well, um, mm. and hoped that we would be able to open in, in uh, late August. And of course, that was not the case. But um, I don't know what it was like for your schools, but for us, when it became apparent there was going to be a long period of time without the kids here, quite a number of our staff members chose to go back to their home countries um, because rightly so, look, if we're teaching online, then um, the primary, the thing that we love the most about being at RVA is the kids and the kids are not there. So, um, so we were spread across 16 time zones between our student wow. body and our staff, which, so we wow. were doing a asynchronous learning. So, um, um, and it, it proved to be a, a real challenge, but I think in so many respects, what it has done and what I see has been positive for the future coming out of this is we've grown to realize that we actually can do the remote learning and support families similar to what Grace is able to do um, for longer periods of time at a distance. Um, that's been a need that's been expressed on multiple occasions, but COVID has kind of pushed us into that new area to say, actually, we can do this. Um, uh, it's not what we, I mean, the val what everybody loves about RVA, the, the, you know, the families and the kids is the sense of community. We sit on 90 acres, but all of us live on those 90 acres, 18 dorms, mm -hmm. 66 wow. staff families. We are all in the same space. Um, we've just done a, a recent survey. Um, every single one of our staff families with the exception of one will be back on the ground by the 31st of December. And over 90% of our student body have indicated that um, provided they can get out of their country and into Kenya, um, they'll be here with us. And so mm, it just, good. it's... We'll pray into that. Yeah, it's just, it's an amazing, um, it's an amazing dynamic to think about. Um, but um, yeah, that, so we're excited about, about the opportunity um, to, to get us all back on the same same compound. Um, yeah. I know how important it is to have sports fields and, you know, we've had a hundred years to develop ours. So um, guys there at Grace, Hey, in a hundred years, it'll be <laughs> exciting to see what God has done. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Wow. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to see how this, this kind of plays into our, our story of, of God working through the year. There's another episode that we actually interviewed the, uh, our HR team talking about, um, Mark, kind of like you said, where, where doors were, were opening and or closing within hours of somebody needing to travel and the way that we were able to get certain kids home. And even as we were on the flip side, getting people here, it was coming down to within 24 hours of, Hey, this person needs to get on a plane. 
the government is still not synced up as far as who's allowed and who's not and documents and things and and um yeah absolutely praying into it for for you guys as staff and students come back and that doors would be open and documents would be signed and um it's incredible just to see how the the connections that are made when a need is expressed and how people kind of come out of the woodwork believers or not or maybe they they are but that's not public of people in in government and positions of leadership that are able to make things happen that say here you go in a in a way that we just you sit there and say this was this was god this has nothing to do with our our eloquence or our perfect timing this is purely just god saying hey i'm not done with you yet and even as we got all of our staff here we said okay all of our staff and like you said mark of uh the reason that they're here is for the kids and so we said well we got all these people here if we can't get the kids here then it's kind of like it's it's a hollow victory and so hmm. seeing that flip side of, of even the kids coming and god clearing the way for that was such a validation of um god continuing the work but also um bringing it to, to completion was, was just an, a very uplifting thing for us as staff. I think it was looking at a year of changes. It was still, a, okay, we have the kids here. We can figure something out. And of course, the foundational value of being able to continue online with our schooling is that it allowed all of our families to keep on with their ministries. Yeah. We've seen even during COVID that most of our students' families are on the field continuing to minister and they're changing how it looks. So like yeah. there are a number of families that, you know, we'll hear from them. Now they go to people's homes before people might've come to their program or, you know, their teaching center or whatever ministry they run. And now they're able to go out into the community. They visit outside with each individual family. And it's kind of a, a cool chapter where they're seeing yeah. um, a glimpse of their students or the people they serve their lives in ways that they hadn't been able to see pre-COVID. So I love the continuation of, even if it's online schooling and it's no one's favorite, I love yeah. the continuation of um, schooling so that it allows all of those ministries yeah. to continue. Yeah, because that's that's why we're here, right, is to is to help families continue and to feel um, feel comfortable as a, as a unit, not just to put the kids at ease or not just to put the parents at ease, but for them as a, as a whole to make sure that they are, they're in a good spot. In a, in a normal non-COVID year, I know there's a certain element of all of the families that we serve, it comes out of need, but what is something that is um, not necessarily unique to your program, but what are what draws parents to you as a uh, beyond just the need, but as far as the excitement piece of, I am excited for you to pour into my kid this way or for this to happen. Um, give us Give us a little bit of vision into yeah, some of the some of the highlights of what a maybe a normal year looks like. Well, Darren and I both have young kids, so we don't know what a normal year looks <laughs> like yet. But um, yeah, for the young kids, uh, the teachers, I guess not just our school, but with your schools too, are just amazing people. You know, who love our kids unconditionally with patience and with excellence in the teaching. But beyond that, they love them through the lens of Christ. You know, and so. I love it that uh, even though I could spend weeks talking about a story, Bible, and verse, um, they don't seem to get it. But then when they hear something at school that their teachers taught that I said the exact same thing, they're quoting and they're you know rejoicing over that. So I'm like, that's awesome. That's good enough. <laughs> um, yeah. So what draws people here to Grace International School? It uh, 
Chiang Mai is a really unique city. It's it's a city of of thousands, millions of tourists. Uh, it's not like that recently, but there's such a diverse amount of opportunities and people. And so one of the reasons why we came back was that we wanted to be in a Christian environment that had resources to medical and counseling and education. And so I think that that need that we have is not unique to us. I think many families realize that in order for them to be healthy, it's not just um, having a good team, it's not just education, but it's also the other things that help make the day-to-day living um, more enjoyable and more uh, more like what they know, you know? So we've access access to things that are that are common. So with with that, um, we feel like uh, the community of grace really has a large amount of diversity that different personalities, different background, different needs are able to find themselves. You know, it doesn't happen easily, but if you're here for a, a two years, three years beyond, you begin to have those small pockets of community that you really feel tight with. You know, does that kind of make sense, Darren? What, what I'm saying? Yeah, you've been here longer than I have. Yeah, the hard part is here in this community anyway, the turnover is about 90% every three years. And so as soon as you get to know somebody, it seems like mm. they're they're moving on, going back home, or moving on to a different mission field. So that's that's the hard part. And I think that that can be hard for the, for the students as well um, to have staff. Uh, trying to keep staff long-term is, I think, a challenge. We have a lot of people that come and give one or two years, which is great. Um, it's harder to get families to come and invest for a longer amount of time. Yeah, I think we I think we all struggle with with finding that piece of longevity. Our our role as and it's it's a little bit of a double edged sword, right? Of coming to Condren, for instance, is a little bit maybe more approachable. For we get uh, you know let's say families that are post retirement that aren't necessarily up for moving into way out in the middle of nowhere in sub-Saharan Africa or something, but it's like, okay, Western Europe and a, in a traditional kind of North American school, I can get behind that and I'm not going to freak my kids out and that kind of thing. But, um, raising support for Europe is, is sometimes a little bit of a mm-hmm. tricky part, but that's a, that's the balance that we walk is finding that longevity, finding people who have a heart and can fill a gap. And how do you use those people who given their life stage or given their, their other private commitments, um, can only commit to a year or two. And so how do you say God is calling this person here? How do we leverage them and and use it to benefit our school and hopefully benefit them as a, as a person as well? You know, our, our goal is to have people walk out of BFA. And I would imagine for your guys' schools too, of uh, leave better, better employees and better, uh, better servants of Christ than, than when they came in. That's the goal. We don't want to just take everything they have and shove them out the back door. I think we, we operate very much as a, kind of a, enabling across multiple regions, but also, uh, Mark, you mentioned the, the diaspora work. And I think that's a, a beautiful piece that I didn't see as a student because of the way that geopolitical things were happening. But we've seen families be able to come back here who, let's say, have older kids, worked in the Middle East, speak certain dialects, and they show up in this small town of 10,000 people. And there is maybe a refugee family here who has also moved from that same area and they're able to connect in a level that, um, you know, they didn't plan. Nobody thought about, they needed to move here because of education for their kids or needs for counseling. But God is sitting there saying, you don't need to go to the world necessarily because of medical issues or counseling needs or something, but I'm going to bring the world to you and you're going to be the one who is equipped 
to speak into their life. It's just kind of a, a way of realizing how much bigger all of this is than, than for us. Well, Nikki was mentioning earlier, um, yeah, uh, you know, how COVID has impacted so many different things. One of the things, I mean, I'm the old guy here, um, been at RVA for, uh, I think some of the students here think I laid the cornerstone. Um, <laughs> with, we can help perpetuate that rumor if you would like. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think what's been, what's exciting, you know, is Nikki was talking about how families have had to do things differently. Um, I think that's one of the things I look at with this whole COVID thing is RVA has had to look at how do we do things differently. It's, it's, it's sort of pride us out of what is, um, what can be, you know, we've always done it this way and it works and it works well. Let's not rock the boat. Well, the boat's been rocked for us pretty hard and I am excited about the opportunities that that brings. Um, and, and I guess one of my, uh, one of my concerns and challenges to the staff is going to be that we just don't go back. Um, we just don't fall back into what we were doing because we know it. Um, this has been a terrific yeah. opportunity to do things differently and to, um, to explore different ways of doing things. Um, you know, going back to a previous, uh, kind of a conversation thread. Um, I remember sitting in a meeting, a board meeting with a family that work in the Horn of Africa and they were asked the question, what do you send, you know, because they tend to have their kids come a lot younger than, than many families, um, do. And actually this, their kids at RVA now are the fifth generation of, um, of wow. that family being involved in, in RVA. That's um, awesome. And, and what, what he said to me was, look, I'm a university professor and my wife is a nurse. He said, I, I can homeschool my kids. I can teach them they have everything they need to know. My wife can take care of them medically. He said, I don't send my kids to RVA for that. He said, I send them for green grass and playgrounds and the ability for my kids to interact with peers because where we live, we live in a walled compound with 10 foot high walls, electrified fence and armed guards outside of our gate. Hmm. My children have no opportunity to play on the playground. My daughter can't go out without me present with her because of the context in which they were living. Hmm. And, uh, and along with that comes with, as uh, was mentioned, I think by Van Den is the, um, the opportunity um, for other families who are called and committed to be able to pour into their kids lives um you know you talked about you know a kid saying well my parents believe the same thing but now that my teacher or my mentor or my coach says the same thing it it it, it that's that was how i came to christ you know my parents from the time i was could understand um uh, spoken word uh, spoke to me about salvation but it was my first grade teacher, Judy Cook, who I realized sitting in her class, oh my goodness, Miss Cook, who I thought walked on water, believes the same thing my parents do. So there must be something to this. And that is was the catalyst that brought me to my knees to give my life to Christ in first grade. So um, that's huge. That's, that's, that's the heartbeat and the core of, of what all of us do, um, whether we teach or whether we coach, it's ultimately um, uh, discipling and, and bringing, bringing the gospel into all that we do. Mm-hmm.
that's the coaches, it's the small group leaders, it's the the mentor relationship, or even um, Nikki, you mentioned that you are a dorm mom as well, and I think that's a tremendous relationship that you are literally living next to students, and that's a relationship that I mean, there's a reason that we can sometimes talk to our aunt or our pseudo aunt or grandmother or something more easily than we can to our mom. And, and those pieces can come to the surface and be processed in a way that is healthy and holy. Um, Mark, you mentioned as far as the family serving in the Horn of Africa and just that dynamic of especially older kids being very restricted. That is, that is exactly, I think our story of, um, living in what I'll call a, a picturesque area of, uh, not just Western Europe, but in Germany, where we have a disproportionate number of retirees here, which uh, they they see our kids walking around in, in the freezing weather in flip-flops and shorts and just kind of silently shake their heads. But um, you're like, oh, BFA. Yes, BFA. <laughs> but um, what the, you know, we, we can serve as that safe spot where two teenage girls who are, you know, sisters or friends or dorm parents or dorm sisters can go for a walk in the woods in a well-marked trail without any sort of fear for their life or for, for anything. And just um, even watching parents here where it's almost a, I want to say a vacation, but it's, it's a, a respite for them too, as they come visit their kids. And I think the, I think the dorm parents and just gen- staff in general, and um, given our location, there's not a whole ton of hotels here. And so quite typically they are staying with a teacher or your friends, parents or something like that. And it's, you benefit from that home atmosphere where they can process through things. They can go walk to the grocery store themselves and just kind of take a moment. Um, And what a, what a beautiful picture of even we as quote unquote, the mission field can be a service and a home for those that are serving elsewhere. And I love that a lot of our schools are able to provide that for families who say my kid is doing okay, but they can't go outside. They can't play. They can't see their peers. Hmm. Um, and what a, what a beautiful thing to kind of give some of their childhood and, and even formative years back to them. I love all the parallels that, you know, have come up during this conversation between our different organizations and just the ways that our hearts are kind of synced as far as empowering God's people through caring for their children and, um, how can we, and everybody listening, pray for your schools? Um, I know we've already described a lot about the pandemic and how that's affected us in different ways. Um, but is there anything other that maybe hasn't been mentioned um, that those of those of you listening or, um, yeah, that how we can pray uh, for your schools? It's pretty hard to think outside the pandemic box, because that's the uh, box we've been in um, since uh, March. Um, I think, um, I guess, uh, let me share a praise first. Um, You know, I look back on the, this whole event that's happened um, that forced us to close school and send the kids home. Um, what we discovered shortly after they left is that the main well that has supplied the school for years was drying up. Mm. And if our students had all been here, 
we, to be honest, wouldn't have had the water to continue to function. Hmm. And this time with wow. the students gone has allowed us to drill two wells that have produced, that are producing more water, twice the volume of water that we anticipated. So that is a huge praise. You know, wow. I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to say that the Lord brought COVID upon the entire world so RVA could get our water situation sorted out. <laughs> But I think the rest of the world. There's a lot of rumors that Mark you're trying to perpetuate around here. I just <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that's, that's, yeah. that's that, when you know that you that God has the glory for that yeah, type of thing yeah. is when this could not have happened under human strength or human terms. It was yeah. totally the Lord. That's beautiful. Yeah, Amen. They should be they should be sinking the pumps uh, this week so that we can actually get the okay. water up to our tanks. So yeah. so that's just wow. a huge praise. Um, I think as we look to, to January and beyond, um, you know, we're certainly praying that our, that our kids can, in fact, get back here and, um, and that we can carry on as, as, as we are hoping to do. But um, I think one of the big uh, concerns on my heart, and I think on a lot of our hearts here and probably in your schools as well, is, you know, we do value community tremendously and community is going to have to look very different, living under a lot of different stresses. And um, I guess the, my prayer would be that we don't lose sight, um, that we stop focusing on the mask and the distancing and the protocols that we have to follow, but that we see this um, as a huge opportunity to live in a community that's going to look different, but where Christ is firmly at the center and that God's, that his grace and his mercy that he has poured out upon us, that we will in turn be able to pour that out upon one another. Um, when people are under stress, uh, the, uh, the worst of us often comes out instead of the best. And so mm. we're just praying and would pray for you guys as well that, that just God's Holy Spirit would would just pour out a spirit of peace and unity as we look to to reestablish community in the, in this new paradigm. Hmm. Can I also add um, a number of our students where their families are serving right now are just, I think, under a lot of stress, um, maybe at breaking points. There, there's a lot of volatility in Mozambique, Nigeria, just recently Uganda, um, Ethiopia. And I think that there's a lot of suffering and hardship, but at the same time, there are new opportunities for those families to really love the people around them well. Um, mm -hmm. And I think sometimes at those points of crisis, it, it's when we are freshly awakened to our need for the Lord. And so just for any of those opportunities, that arise right now um, just for God to be working through our families and through our students in those. And then as our students hopefully are returning, that they will still feel a peace knowing that their parents are in those types of situations as they're coming mm. back. And that's sort yeah. of a reality that I think maybe that's true for your schools as well. I'm not sure, but certainly for us, that's always an ongoing reality for a number of our students yeah. so that will care well for them as they come back, maybe with heightened needs, uh, mm. that also God will will use their families in these situations. He doesn't waste any of it. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, I think I would say that's true for for us. We Because we've had kids through this semester, um, 
they were at home over the spring when we did a lot of remote work. And I think it did really present an opportunity for kids to be maybe involved in some of their parent ministry, although all of it was being shut down and changed. Um, you mentioned reaching kind of a breaking point, and I feel like that is uh, so easy for all of us and students to to go through this process of kind of mourning loss, but also reevaluating and saying, okay, what does this opportunity present as far as growth, as far as stripping down parts that were unnecessary or uh, removing this glorification of busy and kind of the, like, I have achieved busyness. And like, when you, you know, when you ask somebody, how are they doing? Like, I am busy, I've made it. Um, but how do you know, how do you, where, where is God sitting there saying, I have so many other plans for you. I need you to pay attention to this other kid on your campus who is the, the quieter one, or even when some of the dorms last spring, some of the kids went home and some of the kids stayed here, depending on their age and where they were. And it presented even just a beautiful opportunity for dorm parents to maybe pour into kids who um, were quieter or marginalized or needed some uh, maybe a little bit more direct attention when they're not mixed in with 18 other kids. Um, yeah, just to see God continue to work and leverage some of those negatives that are really positives. Um, I think for I think for us, especially praying for. Um, yeah, just resilience. I think for I think for all of us, I'd say this is true. Um, of of how do we glorify God well? How do we care for our community well? Uh, like I said before, Condren in general is very disproportionately older aged, and so what does it mean? Even like our campus is right next to two fairly large retirement homes, and so what does it mean to uh, care for our community well and to treat them with respect? And yeah, it's a it's always a balance of doing education well, but also living shoulder to shoulder with a culture within a culture within a culture. Um, I would say another prayer request for our community is um, upcoming travels for hmm. the holidays. Um, some students, it's clear they'll be able to make it home. Some still don't really know. They're still working on um, those arrangements with their parents and um, I guess the prayer would be just for wisdom as they make decisions whether to bring students home. I'm, I'm talking about parents now. Um, either to bring their students home um, and risk not being able to get back to school or finding an alternative place temporarily for them to live somewhere in the area with a, with a staff member or um, just that there would be clear direction from the Lord for those decisions. Um, and we really feel it important that they be with their families over the holidays. Um, and, you know, and we also don't want to um, put the students at risk or, or, or whatever. So I think, you know, parents and our school, we just need wisdom as far as how to navigate all of those little individuals, um, little individual situations as far as each student and their arrangements for, for the holidays. Um, yeah. And how to do that. Well, how to do that in a healthy way for all of our, all of our families. Um, Grace, what about, what about you guys? How can we be lifting you up? Yeah. Um, one of the first things I remember and Nicole kind of mentioned that is just uh, 
there's a large amount of stress upon the staff right now. And mm-hmm. they're at a breaking point, you know, I mean, you don't see on their faces, but you know, by the workload, you know, by the lack of teachers and the lack of uh, new staff, they're taking on more responsibility than normal. And so um, the school has been very sensitive to that. And we've kind of put a hold on any new initiative, any new programs. And so we're just trying to maintain ship and maintain health. So we can use prayer just for continued uh, resilience, uh, perseverance, but also just margin, you know, finding space to really step away. And, mm-hmm. and also, um, you know, this is our second year on this campus, our first two years ever to have our own campus. And so um, with that, there's new opportunities, new responsibilities, new challenges. And so um, what are those things we need to work out as a young school at a new campus um, to establish tradition, to try to establish the culture? So I'm starting to see more and more how having our own campus now gives so much freedom to do do things, but it also brings with it uh, challenges and responsibilities that I think we're having to tackle for the, for the first time. Hmm. Yeah. If there are um, if there are parents who are maybe needing education, depending on where they are, what is the best way for them to reach out to you guys as far as caring for their kids? You're talking about uh, current students. I mean, RVA has, um, I think, done a, a a fabulous job of of staying connected to those families through their dorms, through yeah. um, Zoom meetings, that kind of thing. If, they're, if we're talking families that are not part of the RVA yeah, family, potential, say, potential families, yeah. Yeah. Then really um, the best way is, um, is through our website, um, reaching out to the admissions department there. Yeah. Um, one of, yeah, one, one of the, one of the advantages of, I'm sure you find at BFA and we do here at RVA of being, having been around a long time is so often um, our best, I hesitate to use the recruit, the word recruiters, <laughs> but our best recruiters are other families. And so you yeah. get somebody who's in, and talk to them, their kids are at RVA. And, um, but really our website is, um, is probably the best for people that, that don't already have a connection. Yeah, for Grace, it's the same thing, uh, going through our website. And we have a number of alumni and former Grace family scattered throughout uh, the globe and the U.S. So we can easily connect them to uh, these families directly to answer questions, to hear stories, know what it's like. Um, I do want to add two more prayer requests that I just thought that's really significant for us. And that is, um, we're we're still in building mode. I mean, we have the classroom, we have sports field. We have a cafeteria, but there's no uh, indoor gymnasium. We, there's no uh, tech or music or band hall, and so we're making it. We're making it work, but we definitely still are in uh, building mode. But right now, we're paused because of uh, the in- inability for really for donors to visit or for advancement development people to travel and see people. You know, and then uh, the other thing is just the last prayer is that we we have a tremendous amount of favor with the authorities and the government and the local officials here. And so we just pray that we would continue to honor them by being um, just good citizens of the, of the city, you know, uh, understanding the the laws, the rules and regulation and the heart behind those. And though, though there may be some freedom or opportunities taken away, we know that this is something that they 
are doing for the good of the country, the good of our, our people too. And so we want to be able to be just good citizens of Thailand. And they've, they've shown us tremendous amount of welcome and respect here. And we want to be able to do the same thing with their um, mm. governance over us, you know? Yeah, mm. no, absolutely. Um, as we, we can wrap up here, are there, are there needs even for this current school year? And I know that there's always this logistics of actually getting people here and support raising in the middle of that. I love that in education and missions, it provides an opportunity for so many different people with very different skill sets. And even in this room, there are so many different skill sets of media people and maintenance and different things that don't necessarily fit into the box of traditional missions, but can serve an incredible role in enabling a school to function. Are there uh, urgent needs for this year and, and into next year that uh, are critical or maybe hard to come by as uh, kind of diamonds in the rough um, that would help for you guys. I know for for us, for instance, um, male RAs, I know we were joking about this earlier, but that is that is actually no joke of <laughs> um, people cycling out. Uh, male RAs and, and finance, I think, are and, and dorm parents in general, uh, just people involved in those aspects that are very corporate in nature and maybe non-traditional missions, but, um, ask a lot of people, but is also a tremendous opportunity to be involved in, in day in day out ministry with, with students. I think it's huge, but for, for BFA, I think anybody that has, um, yeah, student ministry experience. I know that's kind of funny to say in a, in an aspect of a school that does just student ministry, but, uh, people who are trained, people that are equipped, right. Cause we want to have people in the dorm that, that know what they're doing and are, and are healthy and trained to do it well. But what about for you guys? If somebody's interested in coming, what are, what are critical needs and what are just general needs? Yeah. For us, I'm at Grace in the secondary department or secondary division. We have a critical need for full-time English teacher and full-time social studies and religious studies teacher. Um, right now they're taken, uh, they are filled by admin and parents and, you know, they committed to one semester and now that semester has come to an end. They got to get back to their full-time ministry. So we need teachers badly for that. And even when anyone comes, we'll, we'll provide Thai food for them. For free. <laughs> Man, <laughs> do you, you're tempting do you mail me. any of that? You're <laughs> tempting me. Put it in some dry ice. And... <laughs> yep. My, my daughter spent three months in uh, Chiang Mai, uh, getting their uh, teaching English as a second language certification, and they testified to the good, the good food and the cheap food. Mm. So the street food was the best, and spicy food. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for RVA, as we're looking at the, um, uh, even as early as January, we're we're still short uh, one set of dorm parents for high school girls. Um, and we're exploring options from within. Um, it's not like we can offer a big, fat, juicy incentive check to anybody to come and, and fill that role. So that is, that's a, a critical need. I think um, one of the other ones, uh, I think for, for teaching overall for this coming year, um, we had a Spanish need that uh, we'll, I think we've solved that. That'll get us through the rest of this year. But that opens up a need for kindergarten, which we again may may be able to fill in house um, next year. Um, just uh, 
upper upper level sciences are going to be a challenge, um, particularly in the area of biology and AP bio. Um, we always need dorm parents. Um, I think we may have our our uh, chemistry need um, covered, but then world languages also is something that we're going to be hit hard on and have needs for for Spanish and French. I realize there are not a lot of Swahili teachers out there. We can probably do that more locally, but uh, Spanish and French will be um, some real needs as well. I mean, we've posted our list on our website, but off the top of my head, I think those are some of the most critical. And I think uh, in terms of a prayer request, if I back up briefly sure. on that, my term of service ends the end of July. Um, and oh, wow. we have a new superintendent already appointed. Um, and his, uh, he's been serving on staff here for eight or nine years already. But in the midst of all the challenges of life today, um, just a, a real prayer for, for the transition of leadership. We've, uh, mm -hmm. we've moved to a different model of leadership that we're in the midst of that, in the midst of COVID as well. But, um, but to pray for Peter Wilson, who is the incoming superintendent. Um, I think um, that would be one that I would add. He's a, a quality guy and I have a lot of faith in him, but uh, it's one thing to, uh, to think about being the boss and it's a whole different matter when you're actually sitting in the seat. <laughs> so. And I would put a plug in for high school dorm parents. Like it is the best job. I know you all love your <laughs> I'm telling you, it's because you haven't tried high school dorm parenting yet. So high schoolers are just amazing to do life with. And they're funny and they're insightful in ways that catch you off guard all the time. So it really is just an incredible opportunity for discipleship. Anyone's considering it. Yeah. I, uh, I did a tour for uh, an alumna who, she was actually in my grade and she came a couple years ago and her dorm parents had left BFA and then come back and continued. And she didn't know that they were still on staff. And so she ran into her dorm parents and this is, uh, I think 12 years after the fact and, you know, ran into them in the cafeteria and she was visiting with her boss at the time. And just even in front of all her work colleagues, just basically broke down in tears and just like, these are, these are basically my parents and just what a, what a beautiful connection and uh, celebration of exactly those things of, you get insight, you get conversations, and it is a job like no other, for sure. I, I would agree wholeheartedly. Um, my wife and I had the privilege of serving as dorm parents for 13 years, and there's nothing more rewarding than being a dorm parent. Um, we have supporters now who were in our first high school boys dorm 31 years ago. So awesome. it's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> Anybody out there listening? Come on, I mean, come on, BRVA. <laughs> but uh, it's an incredibly rewarding experience. Well, Mark and Nicole and Darren and Van Den, uh, thank you for taking the time. My my hope is that whoever is listening this, regardless of where they're coming from and listening to, um, that they would be encouraged, and that any parents who are serving in any of our continents that. Um, yeah, they would be supported in their ministry through the work that we do. Absolutely. Thanks for putting this together. Yeah, yeah sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it immensely. Sure. Yeah, Very absolutely. Good. Thanks good for... to meet you guys as well. Great to meet you. Yeah, once travel for... opens, I'd love to visit you guys. 
We're yeah. coming over for dinner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you're speaking my language, Nicole. Josh, like you said it before, I, I think we walked away with new friends. That was really fun for us. I hope for you who are listening, that was encouraging just to get an insight into global education across multiple continents. I love what Mark said at the end of that. If this is exciting to you, if you feel like God is calling you and equipped you to do this, then come on, let's do this. Um, check out any of our schools. Like we were talking about before, this is not a competition. This is not a, uh, a marketplace. This is a global body of Christ engaging with families and equipping them and serving them so that they can do the ministry that God has called them to. So if you have a heart for Africa, go for it. If you have a heart for Asia, go for it. If you have a heart for Europe, go for it. If you have a heart for all three of them combined, I that, that too is possible. I love how we are able to impact families that we didn't even know are serving in a place that we couldn't find on a map if we tried, but God mapped that all together. Well, look at that. We're releasing this on Giving Tuesday, and I just want to remind you guys listening at home, if you connect with either one of these three schools, um, just think and pray about uh, how you can give back. Um, we just rely so much on your support, and we're so grateful for the years and years that God has sustained these schools, um, not just BFA, but RBA and GIS as well. And so um, thank you. And thanks for listening as well. And we will catch you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.